I've been told that all thinking is a matter of taking a thought, having a thought, and saying, is that right? Is that true? Now, if you just asked yourself if what I said was right, if it was true, then that's thinking, you see. And uh, questions are a really great way to get us thinking. There's that question for years we've had, what would Jesus do? And I think it's been tremendous. We've had this uh, new, this switch on this, this innovative um, uh, it, look, way of looking at this, this question again, but differently, saying, where would Jesus be? And uh, Sam kicked us off last week. Good start. Well, it's all right. Brilliantly. But to come to undo some of the damage. <laughs> uh, would you please welcome our very own... Are you ready to give her a warm welcome? Yeah, come on. Our very own Beth Hall! Um, before I start, we, and thank you for the warm welcome, um, before I start, we, we, we were out on the streets on Saturday, it was horribly cold, um, but on Friday night we, we had quite a sort of arty, prophetic evening, uh, which was quite remarkable in many ways, and I think in the first time in perhaps since I've started doing this, which is 10 years, <coughs> every word of knowledge, every picture came to pass on Saturday morning. And I think that's quite something. So we want to just give God the glory. And it was just quite remarkable. <laughs> um, there were a couple of pictures that literally were drawn. And I've got them here because... I've often s seen over the years that there's an overflow from the Friday night and the Saturday that sometimes flows into the Sunday. Now, I've got these pictures here, and I'm going to put them out for later. If there's something here that resonates, they're not mine, they're wonderful artists who drew them. <laughs> Do you want to stand? Take a bow. <laughs> um, if this is something that resonates in your spirit, if you could just come and see us afterwards, and if those who were there over Friday and Saturday, if you'd pray with people, if, if it resonates. So the first one is an open door, but the open door, there seems to be a brick wall. It's about breakthrough. So it's, it's hopeful, the door is open, but it's if you just can't get past it, okay? I'm going to put that one down here. That resonates, please. We'd love to pray with you. The other one was a picture of a castle with a pathway leading to it. And again, it's a sense that somebody needs to know they're feeling safe, that they're on the right path. This is a word of encouragement that God is your stronghold. So if you need that one, it's there. There were a couple of others. There was one about new growth. If you sense that you want to see new growth in your life, in your spiritual life, please, it's here. And again, in the heat of the day, another picture 
If you're feeling really dry and you want to see that fountain of life bursting forth, please come and see us afterwards. Um, it's here. Right. Lord Jesus, we just bring everything now into complete submission to you. Jesus, you know as a human I am weak, but in you all things are possible. I want to thank you, Jesus, for the word that you've laid on my heart. The Father, that you would remove me and let us just see Jesus. I ask this in your name. Amen. Um, I, I got it a bit wrong. <laughs> um, it's supposed to be, where would Jesus be? But I had there, where did Jesus go? Um, because I, for me, it was just a bit more fluid in, in the topic that I have. I was a bit annoyed. I wanted the weddings. You know, Jesus going to parties and weddings. I respond well to that. I love parties. I think weddings are just superb. They're happy. They're buoyant. And Jewish weddings in particular are wonderful. So I was a bit annoyed um, that I didn't get weddings. I got mountains. I got mountains. So where would Jesus be? Did you know that there are 48 references to mountains and Jesus in the New Testament? I never knew that. A lot of the mountains that they talk about, they don't really know the name of that particular mountain. So I just picked a beautiful picture of the Himalayas for, for our, our, our starting picture. And he wasn't there. <laughs> but perhaps what many of you may not know, um, oh it's that way around here, is that I used to be a mountain climber. Ah, one may not believe this, looking at me now at 55, <laughs> but actually I was. And, and I was trying to find some of the photographs of me as a hooligan hanging from trees and rocks and belaying, but I couldn't find them because we've just moved or packed away still. <coughs> but this is a, a, a mountain that we climbed. Um, it's a series of mountains. But this spot is actually called God's Window. And it's in the northeastern um, part of South Africa. It is spectacular um, of note. And God's Window, obviously, <laughs> you get to the end of the cliff and you just see for miles and miles and miles um, of spectacular African scenery. Um, it just sort of borders on a sl a starting the tropical areas. So it can be very tropical, um, very wet. It doesn't get very cold in this area. But it is really quite spectacular. And I just love that name, God's Window. And I, I've actually climbed that, the one on the left, um, from the base. And I abseil down too. <laughs> um, <coughs> yeah, thank you. Um, <coughs> is this look familiar to any of you? Table Mountain. Um, it's in the, um, the Western Cape. You can just imagine when the first explorers sort of sailed around the, the, the Horn of Africa, or, I mean, the, the Cape of Good Hope. And, and if they'd seen this, it just must have been mind-blowing, I think. 
Um, absolutely mind-blowing. We had a youth pastor who thought it would be great to go camping and then that we all had to climb the mountain. While there, in fact, is a cable car right there. Um, <laughs> so I have actually climbed it numerous times um, and I've actually never been on the cable car, believe it or not. And one time was really great because down the other side, uh, is, is something called Kirstenbosch. It's a big botanical garden. And in fact, on a rainy day, you can slide all the way on your BTM from the top of Table Mountain right down into Kirstenbosch. It takes about two hours. Very bruising. Uh, <laughs> and I know this because I have done it. Yeah. Um, just very quickly, moving on quickly as Pete always says. This is another um, mountain range in South Africa. It's called the Drakensberg. It is spectacular as well. It sort of comes out of a, a, um, a grassland, just sort of rises up. This is where the British got beaten really badly in the Boer War. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and a lot of tourists that come and, you know, have a look at all the graveyards and, and reminisce at, the, uh, you know, the sort of fading of the colonial days. But um, the, the pass just slightly to the left, the crevice there is actually called the um, Langali Belele Pass. And again, I've climbed that a few times. And um, one, one time, um, I think I was maybe in my early 20s, we were actually stuck up there for nearly a week. Um, and there was this very sudden wind snowstorm <laughs> and temperatures dropped and we actually couldn't get off the mountain. <coughs> um, two girls actually landed up in, the winds were so, so strong. Um, one girl was actually flown off um, one of the faces and um, a, a sort of cliff thing and landed up in hospital with sort of fractured spine and everything. I didn't get hurt, but it, it was really quite something. But again, I've put this, the, the smaller one down, it's called Cathedral Peak. So once you get to the top of the mountain, um, right to the very top, you get to this point of Cathedral Peak and it is mind-blowing. Because when there is cloud cover, you are above the clouds. And you really get a sense of the expanse. You know when, you, when you're in an airplane and you see the clouds below you? It's that sort of sense. Quite spectacular. So I just thought I, I'd share that because it reminded me of my experience. For a while, um, I... Um, in my sort of mid-twenties, because of the political situation in South Africa, my, my parents thought it was best um, for me to leave, get out the country for a while, get off the security, secret police's sort of radar. And I, I actually hitchhiked most of around the world. Um, did it in 18 months. But I spent quite a bit of time in Canada. So this is the Rocky Mountains in Canada. And I ran, I was the cook at the youth hostel at, in um, Spray River Valley, which is just outside of Banff. So again, we, we did a lot of climbing and a completely different experience in the cold, the snow. But when it got to about minus 30, I thought, no, I can't be doing this anymore. So I pushed off, I went to Fiji and then on to Australia. So I just thought I'd share that. I mean, sh Sam shared his snaps with you last week. So, um, you know, it's all in the family. Are you impressed? Yeah, I th I th you should be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because you see there's something incredibly exciting about a mountain. What do you think 
some of those attributes would be about a mountain. Hmm? Height. Hmm? The views. The air is clear. Actually, they're majestic. They're majestic. Did you hear that? You just don't think about yourself. You get to the top and you're just blown away by what you see. It gives you a new perspective of who you are in comparison to the majesty, the might, and the strength of a mountain. And this last week, thinking about the, the, um, Jesus and where would he be, and thinking about him and these 48 verses of him going up a mountain, coming down a mountain, and saying, if you have faith, you can tell one of these to move. Yeah? It really brings things into view. When we talk about Jesus and mountains, what immediately comes to mind for you? Victory. Peace. Resistance. Intimacy with the Father. Because a lot of the times, Jesus went up the mountain to pray. And when he came down, now why is this thing not coming up? And when he came down, he did incredibly spectacular things. Yeah? And there were three verses out of these 48 that really struck me. Because for me, this shows me who Jesus is. And in this is the journey of faith that we walk day by day. And this really, I kept seeing this picture in my mind of a mountain range. And this movement of Jesus through his life from one mountain to another. One mountain to another. And the first one is Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him, Jesus, that's me adding that, up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, for me, as I looked at this story of Jesus going up the mountain to this exceeding, he was taken, exceedingly high place. I just see a man who had fasted for 40 days. So he'd had the spectacular moment at the River Jordan, being baptized, the dove coming down, the Holy Spirit, this declaration, this is my son. And then the Spirit takes him out of that incredibly sensational experience to 40 days in the desert. And at the end of 40 days... The devil comes along knocking at the door saying, now I'm going to tempt you. And he takes him to this high place and he says, look, you can have it all if you'll just worship me. And Jesus says, no, no. 
you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Can you see in the man Jesus fortitude, resilience, discernment, and knowledge? Fortitude to have lasted those 40 days without food in the desert. Resilience to be able to withstand the climate in a desert. Physically, it must have been hard. The man, Jesus is man, human. It's tough. The discernment, because you know when you are weak and you're down there and the devil wants to come and stomp all over you, walk all over you and say, look, there's an easy out, it is very, very difficult to say no. When you are so low, Jesus' knowledge of scripture is evident here where he says no. No, and he quotes scripture. The devil goes away, and I love this. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. For me, this is Jesus, resilient, a man of fortitude, of discernment and knowledge. And he used these things to stand and say, no, no. And then that breakthrough came, and the angels came and ministered to him. The next scripture that really um, resonated was from Luke 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. And these verses really struck me because that this is the part where if you read it and you think of your sort of diary, <laughs> from that point, if you go through the, the scripture, it's almost endless after that point in terms of ministry. Absolutely endless. He, he goes up, he spends the night in prayer, he's spending time with God before some very important events. One of them is choosing the apostles. Yeah? So he had a lot of disciples, a lot of people following him, but he comes down the mountain and he chooses his apostles. These are the people who are going to carry his word to the end of the earth and start the church as we know it. Yeah? Very important decision-making time. He comes down the mountain and he heals a multitude. People are clamoring to touch him because they say they sought to touch him for power went out from him and he healed them all. It didn't say he healed one or two. He healed them all. You know, we spend three hours on the street on a Saturday morning. I got home and I went to bed. (laughs) I was shattered. Yeah? It's exhausting. He healed them all. I think that's incredible. From there on, he goes straight into delivering the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. 
From there, he gets called and he goes and heals the centurion's servant. From there, he raises a man from the dead. From there, he goes to a dinner party with a Pharisee where he delivers. He's anointed by a woman with oil and he delivers her and she's saved. You know, this sort of calendar is pretty heavy. <laughs> so he spends time before and for me, this shows Jesus as a man who communed with his father to seek guidance, wisdom, strength, and power. But he had to go up the mountain. We find Jesus on the mountain praying. Because there were decisions to be made. He needed to hear from his father. Because his father has the eternal view. Jesus is now locked down in human form. And he needed to have that eternal view. Where do I go? How do I make these decisions? Who do you want to be called? So a man, Jesus, who communes with his father, who seeks guidance who spends time soaking in wisdom, strength, and power. So the first one, a man of fortitude, resilience, discernment, and knowledge. The second verse spoke to me so clearly about this man who communes with his father, where he seeks guidance, wisdom, and he rests in the strength and the power of God, and he comes down that mountain glowing, <laughs> And heals them all, delivers a sermon, raises the dead. What an awesome man we serve. The third one that struck me out of the 48. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And this really got me because here for the first time we see Jesus, that he is a man who transcends human boundaries. But you know what really struck me is that he took three people with him. He shared this incredible experience knowing that it was going to blow their minds with his friends. Now you can imagine, you are, you're with somebody, you know them, you're working with them, and suddenly <laughs> they take on this glorious, they are radiated in power, that their body changes shape. And in the midst of this, two guys that you thought were long dead and gone and buried, show up. Would you not be amazed? But Jesus took his friends with him. And I just had this deep sense that Jesus knew what was going to happen on that mountaintop, but he wanted to share it with his friends. Because he knew the Father 
He had walked with Moses and Elijah in the heavenlies. For him it was normal. But for his friends, it was, wow, who is this Jesus? Who is this man? But I also believe that Jesus was preparing his friends because Jesus had told them, I'm going to be dying soon. And they didn't believe him. And he was preparing them. So in this mountaintop experience, what I see as Jesus is a man who wanted to say, come along with me. I want you to share this experience with me. I want you to be prepared for what comes next. We said right at the beginning, Jesus is with us always. We had that word, Jesus is here. You don't have to travel far. He is here. And in this mountaintop experience, I see the Jesus who says to his friends, come with me. Come with me. Come commune with the heavenlies. See things that you will never see, you know, that you've never seen before. Meet people that you've never met. And let's change our perspective on things. But what struck me is Jesus took his friends with him. And to me, that's awesome. To me, that's the man I know, the Jesus I know. So we've got in these three scriptures a man of fortitude, resilience, discernment, and knowledge on the first mountain experience. He comes down, starts his ministry. The second time on the mountain, he's communing with his father. He's seeking guidance, wisdom. And he's resting in that place of power and strength that you can only get from the heavenlies. The third one for me was a man who transcends human boundaries, transcends our thought processes, transcends our human frame. But a man who wants to share these experiences with his friends. That's the Jesus I know. But what really, 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 really struck me was perhaps a verse that gets me. Because you see, where would Jesus be? Where would he go? We see him here on earth. We see him ascending the mountaintop, praying, preaching, healing, coming down that mountaintop with huge power and strength that people clamored, preaching sermons that have basically underpinned all theology since then, the Beatitudes, the woes, the idea of loving your enemy. But Jesus is crucified. He dies. He ascends. He comes back to life. He ascends into heaven. But this really struck me. John in Revelation 21, and it actually goes right through to 22. John is in his trance, And an angel comes and he carries John away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. 
And he shows John the great city, the holy Jerusalem, sending out, descending out of heaven from God. And who do we see is there on that high mountain? Jesus, the Lamb, sitting with the Father. And John witnesses the glory of heaven. And we see Jesus on the mountain in the holy city where there is no more pain, where there is no more weeping, where the rivers of living water flow. This is my Jesus. A word that has been given a lot over the last month or so. And it was a vision I had it here for good a month ago, and it was a vision that was laid again on Friday night. And it's this picture of Jacob's ladder. This is not my drawing. This is not my drawing. But this is this exchange between heaven and earth and earth and heaven. So you see, we can see Jesus the man here on earth. But if we keep ourselves in that perspective, we remain earthbound. It's gone very quiet in the room. But if we start to see Jesus as the ascended, glorified Prince of Heaven, that all of heaven bows before him, that he is finally on this very high mountain in the heavenlies, it starts to change our thinking from being very earthbound to being very heavenbound. And if there were a word that I had in my spirit for this year, it is Jesus saying, Come up here. I want to show you things that will blow your mind. I have thought a lot about this. What does this mean about coming up here, coming higher? And it's really come to me, it is a mindset. It is a mindset. If we are bound in earthly thought... This is our frame of reference. But as we start to look to heaven and we start to see Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the lamb that was slain, if we see him seated on the right hand of the Father, interceding and pleading for us, it starts to change our mindset where we get to that point of thinking with Christ all things are possible. And it's very much that moment of transfiguration where he says to his friends, come with me. 
come and share this experience. And you know, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed for you and for me. There is this ladder. There is that bridge for us to cross over, to say, I'm no longer framed by this earthly body and what I see and feel around me. But I, this year, want to cross that bridge. I want to climb that ladder. I want to sit with Jesus in that heavenly place. Do you? And I really do believe it's a choice for us as believers this year. Are we going to be framed and determined by the things we see, can feel, can touch, the things we know? Or are we prepared this year to be very cliched, step out in faith? It's not even that. It's actually just saying, my mindset is going to change. That when Jesus takes out, he puts out his hands to you and says, come up here. Come with me to this mountain. Will you go? It is a mindset change. Come up here. Come up higher. Let me change the way you view life. And I believe that as we do that, that revelation of Christ Jesus will become clearer and clearer and clearer to him. We as believers in Christ Jesus are his friend. We're his friend. He wants to take us higher. It's a mindset. So think about it. There is a bridge ahead of you. Are you going to cross it? There is a ladder in front of you. Are you going to say, no, I'm scared of heights, I'm not going there? Or are you going to raise your hand to heaven and say, yes, Lord? Because you see, Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be forever strong, resilient, a man of fortitude. He understands, he lived, he worked here with us a man of wisdom, a man of power. But he is also the transcended Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And in him, all things are possible. Perhaps if we can just close our eyes for a moment. And in your mind's eye, there is a bridge, there is a ladder. Just think, do you hear the Lord saying, come with me to this higher place? Jesus, you know the hearts of all of us. You know our battles, Lord. You know our temptations, you know our weaknesses, you know our strengths. But Jesus, 
you also know who we are intended to be. You also know, Jesus, what our identity is in you. So, Lord, those who have purposed in their hearts to say, yes, I will follow you. That this year we step over that bridge. We look to heaven. And we say, Jesus, yes. For those who perhaps are hesitating and saying, well, mm, I'm not quite sure about this. Oh, Holy Spirit, that you would come alongside. Comfort and courage. For those who are in a place of battle and struggle, who are feeling so locked down and oppressed, Jesus, would you come and minister to them and say, you know what, let's walk across this bridge together. Jesus, thank you for the beautiful mountains that we see. Thank you for your majesty. I, for one, Lord, say yes. Yes. Father, would you seal the work that you are doing today? Would you encourage us, confirm what you are doing? And may we learn that you are the rock on which we stand. I ask this in the name of Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.